0: We're in John chapter 11, and you can be turned into 11, verse 54. We're going to finish up chapter 11, then we're going to get into John 12. And uh, exciting passage that we're going to be studying today. I titled this message, Living Generously. And I know uh, right away when people think of generously, they're thinking, oh boy, this must be a, a plea about money. Hang on to that wallet, man. The pastor's coming after it. Um, No, it's not going to be like that. We're going to see a lot of great examples of of just being generous in in the Word of God here. I want to set the stage. The last two weeks, Pastor Brian's been up here teaching about Lazarus. Remember, Lazarus was Jesus' friend. He died. He was buried. He was in that tomb for four days. Jesus finally came to Bethany. He delayed it. He spoke to Lazarus' sisters, Martha and then Mary, and then he raised Lazarus from the dead. That's where we're at. Now you're going to see as we pick up here in chapter 11, verse 54, what took place after that. It says, therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Let me just stop there. It wasn't like he was afraid. There was an appointed time for him to go to the cross. You know, he laid down his life. It wasn't a plan that went bad. He laid down His life for us, and there was a specific time when He was to do that. Remember, He was the Lamb of God who gave Himself up for us, and that specific time was the Passover. Very, very important because the Passover of the Old Testament was a foreshadow of the final Passover when Jesus would give His life and the blood would be spread for our protection. Amen? Amen. So I want you to see that this, they, they were always, as the more and more um, Jesus' ministry was going, the more and more they were trying to kill him. They tried to pick up stones, and he would slip through the crowd. So this is why he, he uh, went off there in verse, verse 54. So he never, no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness to a village called Ephraim. That's about 15 miles north of Jerusalem, where it says he stayed with his disciples. And when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, so we're getting up to the very week before Jesus goes to the cross, and we're only halfway through the book of John, which is interesting. The last half of John covers the last week and then the period of time right after the resurrection. So so much emphasis John puts into that last week is coming up. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went from the country to Jerusalem for the ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus. And as they, as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, "What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all?" But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders. They'd put a contract out on Jesus actually. That whoever found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. So that sets the stage in where we're at as we begin chapter 12 of John. Jesus is now ready to come because he knows his time is about up. He's going to go. And let's start in chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover. The Passover was on a Friday. That's why we have a good Friday. He was crucified on Friday. So six days before Friday is what day? Oh, man. Not enough coffee, I guess. Saturday. Saturday is six days before the coming Friday. So it's on a Saturday. Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, make note of that, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. So this is six days before Good Friday, so to speak, before the Passover. And the dinner, we don't see it here who was hosting it, but this same story is found in the book of Matthew and in Mark. And it says there, the host of this dinner was a guy named Simon the leper. Now, I'm sure that's not his last name, but he was a leper that probably Jesus healed because if he wasn't healed, Who would want to have dinner at a leper's house, okay? And so Jesus healed this guy named Simon. And I think it's very important to note that there's another time that's very similar, but it's found earlier in the book of Luke where Jesus is at a dinner where a woman is going to cry tears on Jesus' feet. This one we're going to see Mary here in a moment at Jesus' feet with perfume. It's a different story. That Simon was a Pharisee, this one was not. That woman that was in that story in, uh, I think it's in Luke, uh, I believe it's 7. Um, it was a, uh, yeah, it, is, it was uh, Luke 7. That woman, it says, is a sinful woman, maybe a prostitute and so forth, and the host was a Pharisee. So, if, if you're ever reading through and you think, oh, it's kind of confusing, different details, two different stories, okay? So, uh we see that at this dinner table, we have um, the disciples there. We have Mary, and she's serving. And I think it's really important to note that Martha, not Mary's serving, Martha's serving. You'll see Mary in a minute. Martha has a good attitude here. She's serving. You don't see any complaints. If you are to study in Luke 10, Martha is complaining to Jesus, like, I'm slaving away in the kitchen. I'm doing all this work. And my sister Martha, can you just tell her to come help? She's just sitting there at your feet. And Jesus is saying, no, Mary, Mary's chosen what is the most important. And so Mary, Martha had kind of a bad attitude there. Here you see her serving, no bad attitude. And it really leads itself to our first thing that we're going to talk about in this area of generosity. Is that number one, is that generously serve Jesus with our time. The first thing that we should look at is, how do we serve? We serve with our time. Probably one of the most precious commodities that we have, that we serve, we give back to the Lord. Now, in a church, you can give many different ways. You can serve through your time here, okay? And some of you might be serving in other nonprofits in our community. Maybe some of you are serving in your neighborhood. The important thing is, are you serving the Lord? That is what's so important, we should all have an attitude of serving the Lord with our time. And you see that here with Martha. You're going to see also here that uh, she's uh, obviously probably, uh, well, she's helping and where her sister isn't. You're going to see Mary here in a moment. It's still at the feet of Jesus. In fact, Mary is interesting. Three times she's mentioned in Scripture, all three times she's at the feet of Jesus. But we don't see Martha complaining about it this time. So, the uh, verse three. Let's keep going. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard. Some of your versions might say sp- uh, nard. an expensive perfume. We know it's expensive because in a little bit later we're going to read that it was worth a day's excuse me a year's wage. Figured 40000 dollars in today's money. This pure nard, this spiked nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, this spiked nard was, uh, came from the Himalaya area, northern part of India. It was very, very expensive. It was an alabaster jar. We know that uh, she she broke it and started by pouring it on her head. And we know that from Matthew and Mark's account of this story, John only talks about her with the feet, but we know it was also on his hair. And I was really curious, this whole thing about spikenard, it's it's actually an essential oil. So I had to go online to Amazon to buy some spikenard. Because I wanted to know what it smells like. And I bet some of you want to know what it smells like, too. It says it's, it, it filled the whole house with the fragrance. Well, uh, at the end of the service, I have cut up some pieces of coffee filter and put some of the oil on the coffee filter so you can come up here and smell nard. It's actually a very nice smell. And some of you that are sitting down here in the front, you might be smelling some of it because I've been told that people in the front can actually smell. What is that smell? Spike Nard. now i didn't go around and spread it throughout the whole sanctuary because i know some of you might be bothered by different smells and so don't don't come down front for that purpose and by the way i did not spend a year's wage on this either <laughs> good old amazon sold me this and it came from jerusalem supposedly at least that's what the box said only ten dollars so anyway so we see that she took this perfume she poured it on jesus And I got thinking about, as we're talking about this whole area of generosity, how should we give? What is our motivation for being generous? And I have some things on the screen you'll see. We should generously give to the Lord, first of all, out of adoration. You see that in Mary's life, don't you? She's giving because of her love for Jesus. She's always at His feet. She adores Jesus. Next, you see humble gratitude she was very humble Jewish women didn't take their hair down in those days so she puts her hair down she's at his feet she's wiping her feet his feet with her hair and I got thinking about that I bet you she went a long time without washing her hair don't you think I bet she wanted that smell to to stay in her hair knowing that that was the same smell that was on Jesus Next, I think we should give sacrificially. We're going to read in a couple verses here that that was a very expensive perfume, a year's wage. That when we give generously, it's not like, oh, I got a little spare change, let's, throw a, you know, let's roll up a dollar bill and put it in the offering type of thing. No, we should give generously, and that's going to be sometimes some sacrificial giving. And actually, what giving really is, it's worship. You're, you're giving back to the Lord, just as we just sang this song. I didn't even know they were going to select that song, but, you know, he gave it all first. So when we give back to the Lord, we're giving back to one who already gave it to us. And he's given to us way more than we could ever give to him. So we give in in worship. Well, let's keep working through a text here. Verse four. So remember, this, 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 Mary's wiping his feet with her hair, this expensive perfume. But look at old Judas here in verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. So again, just figure $30,000, $40,000 in today's, in today's uh, currency. He did not say this because he cared for, about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So we see he was actually robbing from Jesus. That was his motivation. And I got thinking about this. You know, there's a passage in Scripture that talks about when people don't give to the Lord, you're robbing God. It tells us that in Malachi chapter 3. It says, if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. So we don't ever want to be a robber of God and steal from, from the Lord. Because it belongs, everything we have really belongs to the Lord, doesn't it? But as it says there, verse 7, Jesus says, Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. But you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I think it's really interesting here that Mary, she had foresight. She understood Jesus wasn't going to need this in the tomb. Why not use this expensive perfume now? Because he's, gonna, he's not going to be in the tomb. And you know, on the day when you read later on, on, um, on Easter morning, you know, when the ladies go to anoint the body of Jesus, you know, and who's going to roll the stone away, that part. This Mary is not a part of the group that went. Other ladies went with the, with the spices and herbs and so forth to anoint the body of Jesus. But I think Mary understood that he's going to rise from the dead. He's not going to need that. And so she's doing it right now. Now, we also know in uh, the book of Mark that after this is when Jesus—excuse me Judas left to, went to go to the religious leaders and say, I'll betray Jesus. I'll, I'll show you where he's at for 30 pieces of silver. So Judas did that after this particular part. And then they were waiting for that time. So I got thinking about how do we financially, because finances is a big way we give to the Lord, ways that we give financially. And you see up on the screen, according to Scripture, there's three different ways that we can give to the Lord. Number one is our tithes. And what tithes is, tithes comes the word tenth. It means 10% of your income to your house of worship. It was in the Old Testament. We see Jesus talked about it in Matthew and Luke, not to forsake it. But it is in Malachi 3, and it was a way to give for the temple operation. It's a way for us to... to... You enjoying the air conditioning here today? It's because people tithe, people give. That's why we have facilities You know, we as a church have needs. We have debt on our facilities. We're not completely like everything's all paid for and so forth. But what we have is because people have been generous. They've given. And all of you who have been generous and giving, I just want to say on behalf of the pastors, the elders, thank you for your generosity. Those of you that haven't, I just encourage you to go to the scriptures to look and see what it says about being generous. Another way is that we give according to scriptures are offerings. This would be like special needs of the church. When we give to missionaries, we don't give our tithes to the missionaries. We give extra above and beyond. Other Christian ministries that we might want to support, that's our offerings. And then alms. Alms is another way we give, and that's to help the poor. And so those are some ways that we can be generous through our finances. Now, as I was... uh, thinking about this, I had to think back to um, when I became a Christian, I learned right early on to be a giver, to tithe. It was not something I grew up doing at all. And so I learned to do it. But I was a college student. I was going to school on school loans. So working part-time jobs to work my way through college. So what little I had, I just gave a portion of that, 10% To the work of the Lord, the church that we're at. When my wife and I got married, same type of thing. I was still in college. Then when I started my career, and it just kind of grew and grew. And you know what? God has been so good to us. He's blessed us beyond measure. And I think about our kids. We taught our kids at a very early age to tithe. And I, I remember um, one time driving to church when we were living in Iowa, and our our son, Luke, had been given like $20, and he was—he announced to me on the way to church, I'm giving the Lord $12 today. I'm like, $12? You, you, you got 20 You don't have to give him that much. <laughs> you give him $2. He's like, you're telling me, Dad, I can't give to what I want to give to the Lord? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you give whatever you want. You know, poor dad with lots of faith. I mean, the, sometimes our kids have more faith than us, don't they? And I looked up the, how our kids, all three of them, have been blessed beyond measure. And I was thinking uh, this story, too, and this is uh, our, our daughter, Anna, at the time, was about four years old, and we were in this church in Iowa named Heartland, and the, one of the guys who helped count the offering came to me one time, and he says, we found this in the offering. We thought you would enjoy having this. And my wife and I did not know our daughter, Anna, she was about four at the time, she Taken one of the envelopes at the church, offering envelopes. She wrote her name on it, and um, we know she was pretty young at the time because she w- made her ends backwards, Anna, with backwards ends. And uh, inside of the envelope, when you open it up, still kept this, is some um, $25 in play money. She wanted to be generous. She wanted to give to the Lord, so she gave some of her play money to God (laughs) without us even knowing. And I kept that because I felt like, man, that is such a great lesson because sometimes kids are even more generous than adults. Parents, grandparents, teach your kids to be generous. The happiest people I know are generous people. When you go out to restaurants, Don't just like the minimum tip. Like, okay, I got to round this down and be generous with our servers. Okay, be generous wherever you go. It's it's a lifestyle that God wants us to have. So I got thinking more of some scriptures about just being generous and how to give to the Lord. And I'm really convinced of this: is that if you tithe, you you will do much better with ninety percent of your income with God's blessing than you will with 100% of your income without God's blessing. And he told us in Malachi, he says, test me. Only place in Scripture he tells us to test him. He says, test me when you give your tithes. He said this, I will open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing so much that you can't contain it. So that's him pouring out blessings on us. And he says, I'll rebuke the devourer. So he helps our potential Things that could cost us money to be less, and He pours out more to us. And I know I'm, I've experienced it over forty years. I would never want to do it any other way. And I know so many other people that have experienced it well. So look at on the screen here. How should we give to the Lord? Number one, as a priority with faith. We see here in, in Proverbs three nine and ten, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. That's the priority. Of all your crops. Now remember, they didn't always have money in those days. Sometimes they would be bartering, giving of crops and so forth. Of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What that's just saying is you be generous and God's gonna pour back blessings beyond anything you can imagine. So we give in faith. Now let me say the warning here don't give to get. There are churches that teach that. They will be like, you know, you give God $100 and he's going to give you back a $1,000. No, 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 no. This is not like some type of Ponzi scheme, okay? We are generous just because he's generous. Whether he blesses you back or not, but here's what I do know. His word tells us over and over he will, but don't give to get. That's selfishness. And what he's trying to do is destroy this selfishness in our heart, not to feed it. Here's the next way, proportionally and regularly. We see the Apostle Paul talking about it in 1 Corinthians 16. He says, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So we see proportionally, it's a portion of your income, and regularly, first day of the week, another way that we give, proportionally and regularly. And last, lastly, is generously with joy. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 7 says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided to give uh, in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I'm here to announce something that, uh, no, by the way, we're not taking up a second offering, okay? Just just relax. Some of you are like, come on, we better get out of here before they do something crazy. Um, Actually, just the opposite. You know, because of the pandemic, we haven't passed the offering bags, and as an elder board, we made a decision just recently, we're doing away with the offering bags, You're not going to see him come back. Now, does the church need funds to operate? Absolutely. We are taking a step of faith as a church that we're going to trust that God's going to speak to you about being generous. You can give online. You can give in the boxes. We're going to remind you because we always have new people come each time, and they don't know where where, And so that's all. And if you've been a part of Calvary Chapel for any time at all, you know we do not manipulate you for money. Nobody's going to be sending you envelopes that you have to give to this or pledge this. There's no thermometer up and so forth. But obviously, it takes money to operate a place, to to support the missions, the outreaches that we do. This church is involved in so many things. We just had this huge camp with 350 kids here this week. And we have one thing after another coming. How do we do it, generous people? So let God speak to your heart to be generous He's going to take care of your needs. He will will bless you beyond anything you can imagine. If this is not your church home, then go to find a place where God is working and you have a church home and give to that, okay? If you're not a Christian, don't give, okay? Your first thing is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ first, okay? Then you can talk about, we can talk about this whole area and so forth. But I just want to share that with you, like with the offering bags and so forth. We're taking a step of faith as well, that we're not bringing them back. We don't want to compel anybody. It's not a compulsion type of thing. Does it make sense? As you know, I've been a senior pastor here now since September. Uh, This is the first time we've taught on giving. So if you're new thinking, oh boy, this is one of those churches. This the first time since September we've talked about it. I don't know when it was even before that time. So this is not something you're going to hear every week. But obviously, we're here in the text where we're talking about somebody giving a very expensive gift to the Lord. Let's keep going. Verse 9. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. Well, he, He just can't get a break, can he? The poor guy. He was dead, started to smell. He raised from the dead. Now they want to kill him again, you know? Oh, man, he's having a tough time. Well, it tells you why they wanted to kill him, verse 11. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Ah, there's jealousy. There's envy. There's actually selfishness. We saw the selfishness in Judas. We see the selfishness in these religious leaders, which brings us to another very important point you see on the screen. Generosity and selfishness oppose each other. If you can't be generous, I'm not talking about just money now. I'm talking about with time and other things that we're going to be talking about in the story today. If you can't be generous, there's a reason for it. And that reason is something that we all have. It comes with our sin nature, thank you, Adam, and selfishness. As a Christ follower, we're wanting to suppress that selfishness. So the selfishness is not in charge of us, that Jesus is in charge of us. That's why we saying about surrendering. As we surrender, we're letting him take control. We're letting him lead through us. You know, Jesus had a lot to say about money. Most of his parables had something to do about money. And, when, and he, he said this, you can't serve both God and money. He said that you love one or hate the other. And so that's why it's so important. I'll tell you this, money is the number one competitor in our hearts against God. It is. It is. It's the number one competitor against God, and as you let go, as you become generous, you're going to find the Holy Spirit flow through you in a new and fresh way. God doesn't need our money. I mean, He's a God who can bring a coin out of a out of a fish's mouth. He has no problem in meeting whatever needs. But what He wants by us being generous is He wants us to be able to be free, to 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 that that part of the. the, the where our selfishness doesn't have control of us. So so important to see that. These religious leaders didn't see that. They were all, all of a sudden they were selfish. They were losing their, their, their control. Judas didn't understand that. Hopefully we will all understand that. Verse 12. Now we're going to shift into another story here. It says, The next day the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches, and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! By the way, the word Hosanna means save us, Lord, or deliver us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, and now he's going to fulfill a prophecy of the Old Testament. It says, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on the donkey's colt. Let me just stop there for a moment. You see on the screen, Zechariah 9.9. This is the prophecy that was written 500 years before this that Jesus is fulfilling. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal, of a donkey. Jesus is fulfilling this as he's coming in. They're waving palm branches or laying palm branches down. Do you know where the palm branches came from? 200 years earlier, the Israel was not under control by Rome, they were uncontrolled by this, the Assyrians. There was a guy named Antiochus Epiphany. You can go into your history and find this type of stuff. Antiochus Epiphany desecrated their temple he had slaughtered a pig in there and this group of jewish people revolted against They had guerrilla warfare led by a man named judas maccabees the maccabean uh revolt took place they threw out the assyrians and as a result of throwing out the assyrians the jewish people were waving palm branches as a sign of deliver us deliver us we've been set free we've been set free So what are these people doing with their palm branches? You know what? They're feeling the oppression of Rome, and they're saying to Jesus as the Messiah, set us free, set us free. We want to be free from Rome. They didn't quite understand the mission of Jesus. They were looking for a political solution for a spiritual problem. Don't miss that. These people were looking for a political solution for a spiritual problem. And I'm here to tell you that many people today are doing the same thing. They're looking for a political solution for what is a spiritual problem in our nation, in our world. Yeah, we, we need to be involved in politics. We, we need to vote. We need to protect our rights and the Constitution. I'm all for it. Years ago, I even worked on a political campaign. I have nothing wrong with politics. Well, let me tell you something. The most important thing is Jesus Christ. Him on the throne. And how is this world going to change? One heart at a time. You cannot legislate people into being moral. These people didn't quite get it. People today don't quite get it. They were waving those palm branches thinking, oh, just like in the Days when we need to be delivered from Assyria, now we need to be delivered from Rome. But Jesus is thinking something very, very different. He knows they have a spiritual problem. Now let's turn, keep your, keep your place there if you can in uh, John 12, because I want to look at the story in Luke 19. This story is actually found in all four Gospels. And one of the few things that's in all four Gospels, so you know it's a very important story. And I want us to read it in Luke 19 because there's some details here that we don't get in John. If you're in Luke 19, we're going to start reading in verse 29. It says, and talking about Jesus, as he approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it. And bring it here if anyone asks you what are you unty- why are you untying it say the Lord needs it those who were sent a- ahead went found it just as he had told them and as they were untying the colt its owners asked them why are you untying the colt they replied the Lord needs it which brings us to our next point and that we need to generously give our resources to the Lord Our time, our talent, and our treasure. As you think about it, these guys, whoever this is that owned the donkey, they gave it to the Lord. But I was thinking beyond that. Think about the disciples. Did they generously give? I want you to think about these guys. Many of them were fishermen. They left their nets. They left their fishing businesses. They left to go follow Jesus. Think about Matthew as a tax collector. He left his thriving little business there to follow Jesus. They gave their time. They gave their treasure. I was thinking about even in my own life. You know, I told you we learned to tithe early on and be generous in giving. Had I not done that, I wouldn't be here today. 20 years ago when I left the business world, I'd been a part of corporate world for 20 years. I took a 75% pay cut to come and work here at the church. And you know what? I wish I would have done it even earlier. Because the Lord multiplied back so much. Now, I'm a spreadsheet guy, and so I was working that budget pretty hard. How can we do this? 75% pay cut. Well, for one thing, is I wasn't living off of completely everything we were making. I was saving and so forth. But... It was a God thing. I told, our, I told my wife and our kids, within the first year of me working here at the church, probably, we're probably going to have to sell our nice big house. You know, 20 years later, we're still in that house. God's taking care of it. And you know what? I'm not. It's, it's all a testimony to God. It's His house anyway, and we use the house for ministry all the time and so forth. But everything we have should be God's. But if you can't be a giver... What you're going to do is you're going to miss out on opportunities. You're going to miss out on th- ways that God could use you and so forth. And My wife and I love now to travel and do mission work and so forth. And You know, you use your own money and you go on mission trips. But it's awesome to go and spread the gospel around the, around the world and do things. This is the part of what God wants us to be. Is just be generous with everything he's given to us. Verse 35. So then they brought it, talking about the donkey, to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. I think really right here is another miracle. Can you imagine? This This donkey's never been ridden before. Can you imagine getting on a donkey to ride it and it's never had anybody on it before? I don't know if it would go too smooth, would it? But I think this donkey knew his creator was on his back. Verse 37. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for the miracles they had seen. Let me just stop there. That road from the top of the Mount of Olives all the way down to the Kidron Valley down below, if you go with us to Israel next year, we're going to walk down that road. Up on the top of the Mount of Olives is where you look at the whole city of Jerusalem, that's the where the famous pictures are of Jerusalem, where you see the wall, you see the Temple Mount area with the Dome of the Rock up on top of it, and you go down that road, and there is the Garden of Gethsemane. We go in there and have a devotional time, a teaching in there, and then you keep going down to that. Just a beautiful, beautiful place. So this is the same road that Jesus is going down, um, and the whole crowd, and they're saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Here's the next thing we need to be generous with. Generously give our worship to the Lord. I'm glad here in West Melbourne today the stones didn't need to cry out. Because you're all worshiping the Lord. By the way, walking down that road in Jerusalem, I picked up this stone. This is one of the stones that didn't have to cry out that day. It's Jerusalem stone. You find it all over the place. This is what the city of Jerusalem is made out of. It's kind of this beige-colored stone. And it's by law, the, the outside of the buildings have to have this, at least a, uh, the outside of it has to be with this stone. And what this stone allows is that at sunrise and sunset, it casts a glow where the city glows, like a golden look to it. It's just incredible to see because of the type of stone that's there. And uh, I just thought it was pretty interesting. Maybe you don't think so, but anyway, it's a stone that didn't have to cry out. As I was also thinking about this story, as there? praising god and and so forth as they're worshiping and and the stones didn't have to cry out i was thinking about that donkey nobody there was cheering for the donkey were they Nobody was like oh praise to the donkey wow he did a great job and i got thinking about me being up here i'm just a donkey really don't be laughing you are too We're just the donkey. Everything in our life should be about pointing things to Jesus, right? It shouldn't be drawing attention to ourselves. It shouldn't be about us. It's always pointing people to Jesus. That donkey had a role, and it was an important role to carry Jesus, but nobody's there singing praises to the donkey. By the way, did you hear what the donkey did when he's out on the road and a bad driver pulled out in front of him? He honked. (laughs) You're starting to get me by now. You know there's usually one going to come in there somewhere. Oh, we better get back. Verse 41. So as Jesus is heading down there, riding on that donkey, people are cheering. Religious leaders are all mad and upset. Look at verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Now this is a different, in the original language, this is a different weeping that he did at the tomb of Lazarus. This is almost like a convulsive type of wailing, crying. Because Jerusalem didn't understand what was going on. He knew they were ready to reject him. He knew that they were going to be crucifying him. Verse 42, it says, "And and And said, If even you... If you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. See, they were looking for peace from Rome. They didn't realize they needed the peace with God. That Jesus' coming was not to bring a military peace, but to bring peace between sinful man and a holy God. They didn't recognize it. And he said, on this day, what would bring you peace? But that was hidden from their eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children, within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Wow. In that little bit, we see so much. We see here... What did take place in history in 70 AD, when the Roman general Titus brought the Roman troops into Jerusalem and destroyed the city of Jerusalem? They tore down the temple. Every single stone was torn down. And when you go to Jerusalem today, at the base of the Temple Mount um, area, you'll see stones down in the valley, stones that came from the temple. These people rejected Jesus. There's consequences for rejecting Jesus. I don't know where you're at with Jesus right now, but I would not want to take a chance of the consequence of rejecting Jesus. Don't miss that today God has come to you and given you an opportunity to spend eternity with Him in heaven. And it's found through our relationship with Jesus Christ. So you see on the screen, our next point is, don't miss out having peace with God and the peace of God. Two different things. When you invite Jesus Christ into your life, he's paid for your sins already, but you're acknowledging that, you're putting your faith in that, now you have peace with God. He's holy, we're not. And then he puts his Holy Spirit in us, it's a spirit also of peace. Peace. He's the Prince of Peace, by the way, Jesus is. And now we have the peace of God living in us. We don't have to act like the world acts. We don't have to live in fear like the world does. We can have the peace of God as we have the peace with God. These people didn't understand it. I hope you understand it. I hope you have it. Now let's turn back to John 12 as we finish out their story. We've just got a few more verses to read. You can see how emotional that was for Jesus to come into Jerusalem, convulsively weeping over the city. He loved these people, and he knew they were about to reject him completely. John 12, verse 16 says, At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things had been written about him, talking about the prophecies in the Old Testament, and that these things had been done to him. But look what these people were doing in verse uh, eight seventeen. It says, they continued to spread the word. Our last generosity point today is this, generously spread the good news about Jesus. So today we've looked at serving Him, giving Him our time, being generous with our time, our finances, our worship, and the last one here is with the gospel, with the good news. Be generous with it. Don't hold the good news to yourself. You've probably heard it said before, it's only good news if it arrives in time. There's unfortunately people where it doesn't arrive in time. Now, Matthew 26, 13 is one of the uh, passages about going back to, to Mary at the feet of Jesus, pouring his perfume. I want you to see what Jesus said about Mary in Matthew 26, 13. He says, truly I tell you, Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. You know, as I was comparing the different stories, I was thinking about this. What Mary did, we're talking about it today, 2,000 years later. Wherever the gospel is shared, the gospel is shared here today. What Mary did is being talked about. And I started to think about our lives. What are we doing today that 100 years from now, we'll still be making a difference. Because 100 years from now, none of us will be here. What are we doing today that's going to outlive us? How are we investing our lives? What will our legacy be? I've done hundreds of funerals over the years of being here as a pastor. Some of them are just incredible. The legacy of the person who's passed away and the legacy that they leave behind. Some of them, it's so sad because there's not much to talk about. Let that not be said of us. Let's let's be generous with our lives. In fact, I'm going to challenge you to radical generosity. That we can be like all about Jesus because this is not our home anyway. We're passing through. We're going to be out of here at some point in time. Don't waste your life. Use your life. Invest it. So, I leave us with this uh, last question where am I storing treasure? And you see this passage that Jesus taught in Matthew 6, starting in verse 19 out of the New Living Translation says, Don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat it, rust destroys them, where thieves break in to steal. Store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Amen? So I hope you see this as a challenge to store your treasures in heaven, to be generous, to not be a hoarder, not to be selfish, to see the purpose of why we want to be generous. It's all about Him. It's giving back to the work that He's done. And you know, we have this incredible opportunity in this day and age of spreading the gospel and and impacting more and more lives. There's so much more that this church wants to do, but we can only do so much. And I just want to encourage you that we as a church leadership are very, very tight with how we spend we want to be use wisdom in how we spend we want to use the lord's money very very wisely because we see it's so important it's it's the lord's money it's not our money and i just want to encourage you no matter what we were talking about time you know finding a place to serve whether here in the church or outside the church find a place to give worshiping the lord generously giving to the lord in worship and generously spreading the gospel that's our challenge for all of us from God's word. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we close up this service, Lord, we we ask all of ourselves, am I generous? And I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us. Are we generous or not? Is life all about us? Or is it about you and others? And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, destroy selfishness in us. Help us to live generous lives, to serve others, to put others ahead of ourselves, to give even radical generosity, to tell others about the good news that we have experienced. And I just pray if there's anyone here who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you know it, your name is not written in that book of heaven right now. You don't know whether you would go to heaven or hell, but you want to make sure that you're ready for heaven. I want to give you that opportunity to pray. So just while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're not praying to a man, you're not praying to a church, you're not joining a church, we don't even have membership here, but I'm just going to invite you to pray this under your breath to the Lord and just say, Lord, I need you. I want a relationship with you. I want peace with you, Lord God. And I know Jesus Christ came and died to pay that price. So forgive me of all my sin. I invite Jesus Christ now into my life. I want to live for Jesus the rest of my life. Thank you, Lord. And it's in your name I pray.